The hits literally keep on coming. From one boxing event to the next, they grow in excitement and anticipation. And this weekend is no different with two of the sport's most respected fighters stepping into the ring Saturday night. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all new users a shot at turning $1 into $55. That's bet $1, and if the fighter of your choice wins, cash $55 to your account. Plus, with basketball and hockey playoffs right around the corner, DraftKings Sportsbook has even more ways for you to make it rain. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can bet $1 to win $55 on this weekend's main event. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out for new users by offering them the chance to win $55 when placing a bet of $1 on this weekend's big fight. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky. I'm joined as always by Nick Horwat. How are you doing today, buddy? It's Nick from Target today. I just got off my shift. Looking like Jake from State Farm, but he's in that fresh red uniform. <laughs> and I see a fresh uniform behind him as well. Quick shout out before we even get into anything to Ryan Miller on a fantastic career, of course, announcing his retirement earlier this season. If we all think of Ryan Miller, we think of Sidney Crosby beating Ryan Miller. And of course, that's in both the Winter Classic as well as the 2010 Olympic Games. So shout out to Ryan Miller, though. He did have a fantastic career. Those early Sabres teams were so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, he was a big reason why the Sabres were um, <clears throat> watchable back in the day. And let's be real. You mentioned that, you know, when we think of Ryan Miller, we think of Crosby beating him. Crosby is the only person that really could beat him, though. If you That's really true. look at his numbers, Ryan Miller was a phenomenal goalie, at least earlier in his career against pretty much everyone else. Um, Sid just had his numbers in had his number in key moments, no less. I mean, maybe that's kind of what does it in. But uh, yeah, Crosby was always kind of a Miller killer. But overall, I think he's the winningest American born goalie, isn't he? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. And that is absolutely nothing to scoff at. So uh, good on Ryan Miller for a hell of a career. Uh, I just actually just watched uh, the highlights from his last game and it was his last home game mm -hmm. in Anaheim. And it was, it was something special. Played yeah, very sure. well. <clears throat> he did. And they ended up getting the win, which is good for a nice young team there in Anaheim. And as long as we're shouting out goalies really quick to start the show, shout out to Marc-Andre Fleury, who, is now tied all time in NHL career wins. Just uh, gotta give some respect to the flower before we get started here. Yeah, you should. What's uh, who's he tied with? He is tied with Roberto Luongo now. Ooh, that's a big fun Lou. One. That is a, that is a fun one. That's a fun one because Flurry has a career that you don't necessarily think of. Like when you think of like all time goalies, I know this is about to go on a tangent, but yeah, <laughs> uh, like when you think of all time goalies. You never think of Flurry, but then you 
It's because it's at, happening now. Yeah, but then you look at the stats and you look at the numbers and you mm-hmm. see that he's up there among the winningest goalies of all time. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, why isn't he in the discussion? Um, it could be because he doesn't have a Vesna to his name. Yeah. Doesn't have doesn't have the hardware because he doesn't even have a Jennings to his name. It's it's all just you know, three cups and wins, which again, nothing to scoff at. That's probably a Hall of Fame career enough, but um maybe that's why he's not in the conversations because Brodeur, Waugh, Hashik, all all those guys have Vesnas and MVPs. Yeah. <clears throat> Back but, in a day when the goaltending position, if you made saves you were pretty much a hall of famer at that point but we have a good show for you guys today of course the pittsburgh penguins are coming off of a sweep of the washington capitals on the road to make it even more impressive putting them in first place as we sit here and talk and as you listen to this on monday morning we'd like to thank everybody tuning in live on facebook on twitter and on our youtube channel and we'd like to thank everybody listening back on the podcast version just remember to download your episode subscribe to us on apple Podcasts. we appreciate all the support that you give us and we will continue to try to support you as well with hopefully entertaining hockey talk but we have a review of pens caps we have a preview of the final week of the 2021 regular season We have our Penguin Season Awards that we give out every year. And then we're going to finish off with the Pens Poll. So let's get it started really quickly with a review of Pens Caps. Of course, the Penguins on Thursday win by a score of 5-4 to in overtime. And of course, on Saturday, they win by a score of 3 to nothing. and Tristan Jari grabs a shutout. Let's start first and foremost with what didn't happen in those two games. Evgeny Malkin did not return from injury quite yet. He is still working his way back. He's still practicing at full contact. So at some point in this final week, we shall see him, but we didn't see him in Washington, which to be honest is fine with me because right now the Penguins with a week left are in first place. And that matchup against Washington got chippy. We lost Evan Rodriguez due to an injury. We lost Mike Matheson due to an injury. We don't know the extent of either of those as of right now, but Freddie Goudreau came back. We lost two more. It's just how the Penguins season has worked. I believe Rodriguez is just day to day. And then uh, Matheson, we don't know. Did you, I know you said you didn't watch the game, but did you by chance see that replay of Matheson? I did. I ended up actually watching the game because I recorded it. I ended up going back and watching it. And we don't know, Uh, like I said, we don't have the official extent, but it was not pretty. Yeah, no, not, not one bit. And then, so I guess it's either Chad Ruedel or Yuso Rikula season, eh? I mean, we've been waiting for Yuso Rikula season for three <laughs> years, so I feel like we're going to keep waiting. And, and Chad Ruedel, who has played in some pretty big playoff games yep. for the Pittsburgh Penguins and has performed fairly well, and it's not like he wouldn't be playing with Cody Cece, who, I don't know, might be a target for our Team Norris award coming up later. Who knows? <laughs> we shall see. Um, yeah, it, with Matheson going down, yeah, it's it, you don't want to see anyone get hurt. This is a player especially that... Um, might be a little wild mm-hmm. on the ice and with the puck, but he's a hole you got to fill now. He's a player you got to figure out how to um, make combinations at work because, yeah, Cody Cece's been playing good this year, but he's still Cody Cece on the surface. And I think him and Matheson had a great pairing. It's just a matter of who do you put with Cece now and do you move him to the third line do you bump that Patterson Marino up to two a lot of questions need to go into this Matheson thing if he's not able to come back I mean face injuries you usually have to be careful of but Mm -hmm. those are ones guys will play with assuming it's not concussion related concussion related or like awful awful 
Yeah, it's definitely something that the Penguins have had luck, knock on wood, mm-hmm. with their blue line staying healthy these past couple of months as they've had the struggles on the forward line. But finally, the dam broke and an injury came through, and it was just an unfortunate injury as well for Mike Matheson, who had started to turn his game around and started to play really well. But the Penguins luckily do have a deep team with players that, due to the beginning of the season, had to play on the blue line. We have mm-hmm. a lot of defensemen that have played during this season and have played fairly well during the season. So we'll keep an eye on that through the last week of the regular season. It also helps that following the regular season, the Penguins should have roughly a week off before they open up the playoffs. But going back into those games against the Capitals, Kasperi Kapanen had a great game on Thursday, two goals, including the one in the third period that put the Penguins ahead and should have been the game winner, but an absolutely snipe past Vitek Vanacek, a, a goal that we saw somebody like Phil Kessel scoring in 2016 and 2017, just coming down the wing with speed and being able to put the puck right over the goaltender's shoulder, a beautiful goal. And like I said, other than the fact that Tom Wilson scores with 15 seconds left, that was a beautiful goal that should have been a game winning goal. It really should have been. Um, It felt, it felt like that goal set the standard and really it, it felt like it took the wind out of the Capitals almost. They didn't seem yeah. to have much response or any sort of uh, momentum afterwards until Chris Letang decided to drift off into space. Yeah. But so be it. Um, things happen. You're, luckily, we were able to walk out of there um, with a huge overtime victory. Mm-hmm. Still, yeah, that goal, that ca- that Kapanen goal, is it was pretty, and it felt like a game winner, you know? It, it felt like a huge moment for him yeah probably one of the biggest moments for him during the season and that's not even a takeaway from his first goal that game where he batted the puck out of the air and that was even at a time when the penguins were struggling to get anything going and that kind of started everything up for the penguins on thursday so all of that to say and set up a beautiful play by jared mccann throughout overtime basically the whole time jared mccann looked fantastic in that overtime playing north and south playing defensive zone playing basically an entire 200 foot game leading to jake gensel's game winner that not only won the game for the penguins not only clinched a winning record against the capitals on the season for the pittsburgh penguins but clinched the 15th straight postseason appearance for the penguins the longest streak in all of north america sports mm-hmm. it is a that is a crazy achievement if you go and look at it and it's a crazy thing to think that the last decade and a half playoffs have just been a thing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's even though this year, the Penguins were supposed to miss the playoffs, according to a lot of experts, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. but here they are with a week left in the season in first place in the toughest division in the NHL. So say what you will against the, about the Pittsburgh Penguins. They have fought through injuries this season. They have fought through, an awful start because if everybody remembers January, it was an awful start. And here they are with a week left, still have work to do against Philly and Buffalo, but with a week left, they sit atop in first place and already have clinched a playoff spot. Yeah. When we say experts were not having, weren't putting them in the playoffs. We honestly, we, I mean, yeah, they're experts, but we don't mean the, the rivals at, at the network. No, we mean, we literal mean sports net, ESPN, yes. TSN, all of those. NHL Network, all of those people we mean, with the network. Yeah, listen, Hockey Troll said they weren't going to make the playoffs, but I think that was just sheer hope and will. Mm-hmm. But 
no, we're not calling anybody on the network out because when we talk about this, we mean the yeah. big guns, the guys that actually have a vote for actual awards. Yeah. That we're saying the Penguins were going to miss the playoffs. There are even some Pittsburgh writers out there that kind of floated the idea of this might be the off year, you know, or this might yeah. be the year that ends it because of the growing pains of this team. You know, Malkin mm-hmm. and Crosby are getting older. Latang's getting older. Uh, we kind of don't have a fourth unit. Oh, and defense young goalie all of this that the other new coaches guess what <laughs> the old coach who a lot of people wanted fired in the offseason at the beginning of the season should be should be up for a jack adams this year and i will fight you if you disagree our old center who really isn't that old no um should be up for an mvp this year but he won't be uh he's putting up a good argument for it our fourth line, Teddy Bluger especially, should be in a selkie conversation, but that's not how that award works. So, yeah, I don't know. This team has looked damn good. Cody Cece, Mike Matheson have both. I don't want to say they've exceeded play. expectations. I was gonna say I don't want to say exceeded expectations because Matheson is still very he's but he's honed it in. Matheson yeah. is very much honed it in. Cece has exceeded expectations. Mike Matheson has gotten better. Mm-hmm. CC's I I still I'm still not on the re-signed CC train yet. I'm not. <laughs> and I'm gonna stay off of it probably. But uh, as for Math, I said, hey, you know what? If we're stuck with you, at least you're playing decent, I'll take it. And if all else fails, he can always just move be moved up to forward. And let's mm-hmm. move on though to Saturday's game. Of course, a much better game for the Penguins defensively as they put up a goose egg. Tristan Jari's second shutout of the season against the Washington Capitals in Washington, which makes it all the more sweeter in front of their fans. It was nice to see some Penguins fans on the steps of the National Gallery following the game. Some traditions never change. Don't let the flame die out. Don't let it die out. But Brian Rust, it kind of felt like Game 7 back in 2017 because Brian Rust had two goals, both of them off of mistakes by the Washington Capitals. I mean, the second one, he blocked a shot and just outskated. Yeah the defenseman for the Washington Capitals, but both in there on breakaways. One, he fires away. The other one, he makes a great move to beat Ilya Samsonov. And Brian Russ now has 22 goals on the season. He's playing extremely well. People were saying, okay, he hadn't scored in a while. Here it is, two-goal game in a huge game that gives the Penguins a two-point lead over the Capitals in the standings. And yeah, the first goal, Jonas Siegenthaler, fell and kind of looked like a deer in headlights or a deer on ice skates if you will brian rust was able to make him pay and taking advantage exactly and i think we forget how fast brian rust actually is sometimes Mm -hmm. because on that second goal he really showed it to get out in front on the first goal he was almost caught up to by carl Haglin trying to back check (laughs) who we know is fast yeah and he took a better angle too Haglin had a better angle to get back but Mm -hmm. still Rust able to get out in front, get a good shot off there. Second goal, Rust just blew past everybody to be able to get in on the breakaway. And those are two huge goals. And a little bit later, Jeff Carter pots his third goal as a Pittsburgh Penguin off of a deflection, which, yes, how much skill is required for that? We don't, needless to say, it's more positioning than skill at that point. But it's nice to see Jeff Carter continue to be put on the score sheet for the Pittsburgh Penguins. To continue to win this crowd over. Honestly, I, I kind of want a Jeff Carter reverse retro now. Uh, $160. Or, exactly. Or just the blank ones. I think that might be the blank ones. It's $160 I can't spend. So either way. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that 
the deflection thing is incredible. I mean, that rule, I mean, I'm not saying he kicked it in, but I'm saying that rule this year has not been followed, I think. There's been a lot of instances where yeah, it was a distinct like, kicking motion, but it wasn't a distinct like kicking motion. Like four years ago, they would have called it no goal, but here we are this year, and it's, hey, that's fine. It is definitely part of the game now. Hmm. And Bob Barry himself uh, said it's part of the game. Yeah. So, and it was because you looked at the play and you thought it was McCann with the assist on it. Latang. Latang. We thought he just kind of hit it off of him by accident. Yeah. And they slowed down the replay and you see Jeff Carter's kick his leg out and angle and angle it. And you figure, yeah, uh, everyone is eating crow tonight. Yeah. Everyone. And Twitter had a moment of, it looked it looked like eight, nine, ten tweets in a row of people going, "Yep, so this is happening now, isn't it?" It's nice because for the people, including me, who are eating crow, who kind of even had the thought of tying the move for Jeff Carter and the move for Patrick Marlowe together. Patrick Marlowe had one goal in eight games. Jeff Carter has now three goals, multiple assists mm-hmm. in nine games, 10 games, and he's playing efficiently as a second line center and his whole line is succeeding. Yeah. We talked about Kappen in the game before that whole line is succeeding with Evgeny Malkin on the cusp of coming back. It looks really good for the Penguins. Yeah. He looks great. Um, You know, I can see why people made the comparisons. I mean, it, because it's two older gentlemen being traded, traded at the trade deadline two years in a row. The thing with it is, I mean, we were on live when it happened. At first, we were all a little, what are we doing? At first. But then we all kind of thought about it. We realized he's younger. I mean, he's not young, but he is younger than 40. He is much better, much faster, and can still shoot the puck. And all those numbers were still being proven in L.A. Whereas in Marlowe and San Jose, those numbers were not being proven. He was just guy, old guy trying to hit a games record that he ended up hitting this year. The Jeff Carter thing is, he doesn't have much to play for. He's won two cups already, but you know, he's, you know, he's hungry for a third, you know, he's hungry to be on a good team again. Cause he still has the fire in him. I mean, he came, we got him and we thought maybe he might retire after this year as well. He doesn't want to, he's already said, I don't want to retire. So we know we're probably going to have him into next year. And that's a good thing. If assuming he doesn't get taken by Seattle, but for what it's worth, he's been a great player. So yeah, everyone is kind of eating crow on the whole Marlowe comparison. You can see where they came from, but overall, I mean, it's worked out. Yeah, it's worked out really well for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and we'll have to continue to see how it works out on the last week of the season and into the playoffs, because as we mentioned, the Penguins are back in the Stanley Cup playoffs. That'll start in about two weeks from now, I believe on the 15th. It's still kind of a moving target for the NHL who still has to finish off games with Vancouver and Calgary probably through that date but to finish off the Penguins cap series of course Teddy Bluger gets in a fight with Brendan Mm. Dillon Brendan Dillon about breaks his fist off of Teddy Bluger which you don't love to see but you like to see him standing up for his team because I believe I stated on a a show a couple weeks ago that there's nobody on this team that's going to go defend Chris Letang when he got hit in that one Bruins game because that's why he took those bad penalties to try to get it back mm-hmm. by himself because he felt nobody was going to stand up for him. Well, Teddy Bluger went out there, fought Brendan Dillon. It's commendable, but at this point in the season, when you've clinched a playoff spot, now you're just fighting for home ice advantage. 
be careful with what you do. Not saying don't fight because I, I enjoy when players stand up for their teammates and, and all that, but don't get injured. That's all I ask. You know, whenever we had the discussion of someone sticking up for Latang, uh, man, who would we have thought would be the one to do it? I think Bluger would have been my last guess. Sevier, maybe. I figure Sevier would go first. Lafferty, if he's playing, we know he'd do it. He's... Yeah, La- Lafferty, just because he needs to make his mark on a game. Because, I mean, we did have a Sam Lafferty spotting on Saturday. He got into the lineup because of Evan Rodriguez's injury. And he made Char look like he should have retired three years ago. <laughs> we always say Sam Lafferty has speed. That is one thing we don't have to worry about with him. He is fast. Yes. And he can hit. Yeah. Just, everything else, you know, using a hockey stick is something we need to work on with him. Uh, we'll see. We'll <laughs> Sarcastically, that. obviously, he's an NHL player. We know player. he would be a guy to step up. I mean... Crosby and Malkin would do it. We just don't want them to. Exactly. There, there's players on this team that would do it. It's just, I just they don't. We all and, and Bluger's just not the guy we would have pegged to do it. Yeah. At all, I think because he's not super big. I mean, he's getting bigger this year, but like he's not the biggest man out there. He's not necessarily the toughest, and he doesn't seem like he has that kind of game. But well, now that's two in what like three games, four games, two in the last week for sure. I don't know exactly the game count, but two two in the last week hell, for Teddy Bluger. Hell yeah, Teddy Bluger. <laughs> he's getting ready for playoff hockey, man. He's ready for springtime hockey. Although it's going to be summertime hockey by the time it starts because it'll be mid-May. But let's get into a preview of the last week. The Penguins, of course, on Monday and Tuesday will play their final two games against the Philadelphia Flyers in Philadelphia. And then they will finish out the season at home on Thursday and Saturday against the lowly Buffalo Sabres. The Flyers are one of two teams that the Penguins have a losing record against this season. They can go 4-3-1. and one. That would be the best record they could get if they sweep these two games against the Philadelphia Flyers. I want to see it just because I want to see the fact that the Penguins can finally get over that hump. The Flyers right now are 20 points behind the Penguins in the standings. So clearly, when you look at the two teams, the Penguins are the better team this season. But head-to-head, it hasn't seemed that way. And it'd be nice going into the playoffs for the Penguins to get kind of a momentum boost to be able to beat a team that they've struggled with a little bit this season. Wow. The Flyers. All of our preseason predictions, man. Yeah, I would like to see them sweep it too. Just because, I mean, not even for all that, but just because we're playing the Flyers. I like beating the Flyers. I don't need to put any sort of statistical analysis or you know, real thought behind this. I'm just going to say, I don't like the Flyers. I want to beat the Flyers. Leave it at that. We could be in dead last and I'd be like, I want to beat the Flyers anyway. Yeah. It's a confidence boost for everybody on the Western side of the state to win on the Eastern side of the state. So we're hoping that goes well. Of course, the Flyers without Carter Hart, who is out the rest of the season due to, I believe it was an MCL sprain or something something like that, that. but we won't see Carter Hart probably going to see Brian Elliott, maybe even a, a, another goaltender because it is a back-to-back situation. So it's going to be a fun – it's always a fun matchup with these two teams. Penn's Flyers and Penn's Capitals, they're always must-see games. And we saw it over the weekend, of course, Thursday's game being a little bit more must-see with the back and forth. That was pretty much carbon copy of all the playoff games in 2016 through 2018. And then, of course, Saturday's game being kind of a Game 7 2017 replay with Brian Russ scoring his – I forgot to mention, Brian Russ scored his 100th goal 
does it not feel like he has scored more than 100 goals in this league simply <laughs> because the past two seasons he's gotten close to putting up 30 goals each? Yeah, it does because he's he's also been around for quite a few years, but um, mm-hmm. I think like this like the 16 year he wasn't here the whole year yeah kind of came in he came up with sullivan yeah um yeah so then 16 17 yeah it's it's a weird one i mean Mm -hmm. i guess he wasn't the biggest goal scorer to start but no figured it out as of late and that is for sure i think the his issue was early on that he was very streaky remember Mm -hmm. when he went like what 40 games ago without scoring and then he had a hat trick for his against the Blackhawks of all teams. Yeah, so he he used to be yeah. very streaky too, but he's found the consistency, he's found his stride and he's not losing it anytime soon. Last year he was in the high 20s in goals. This year he has 22 and is tied for the team lead. So we'll see if Rust can finish with the team leading goals at two seasons in a row, but like I said this matchup with the Flyers is gonna be interesting because no matter where the Flyers are in the standings, which we mentioned, they're 20 points back. They're going to fight hard because you know what they want to do? They want to play spoiler for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And while oh, yeah. the Penguins are going up against the Flyers, Boston's playing, I believe, New Jersey. The Islanders are playing the Sabres, I believe. And Washington is playing somebody else. I cannot. Uh, Washington's playing the Rangers. So, yes, Washington has a tough couple of games. But the other two teams, the two that we're trying to keep on the road – are playing a little bit of easier competition than the Pittsburgh Penguins are. Even though the Devils did beat the Flyers a couple times over the weekend, the Flyers are going to play the Penguins tougher than I think the Devils are going to play the... I can't remember if it's the Islanders or the Bruins, but one of those two teams, the, the Penguins are going to have a much harder time. So these are huge games as far as seeding is concerned. Absolutely. As, and you're right, especially for as seeding is concerned. Um Every team's got huge games, all four of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Because Boston, right? Yes, they could jump up into third real easily. And if they really wanted to, probably could jump into second. Um, whereas in the Islanders could drop to four. This whole, it's all still a tight race, really. I mean, yeah, people have clinched playoff spots, but it is a tight race receding now. It could but- still go any way. Mm-hmm. The Bruins magic number is one, and that would solidify the top four teams in the playoffs. But all four of these teams could finish in all four positions at this point. As the Penguins Mm -hmm. sit in first place with a week left, they could be in fourth place by the time next Sunday rolls around and they're done playing the Buffalo Sabres. So it's going to be an interesting week if you're watching this. And yes, across the NHL, there's not really many playoff races when it comes to in or out but there's a lot of playoff races when it comes to seeding as of right now and the east is a prime example of that so it's going to be interesting to watch of course the penguins and the flyers always an interesting matchup the penguins and the sabers the pens have pretty much owned the sabers so far this season they haven't had too much trouble especially at home the penguins are right now five and one against the buffalo sabers with their only loss being a couple weeks ago on the road in an afternoon game So we'll see what the Penguins can do against both the Flyers and the Sabres in this last week of the regular season. But as of right now, they're sitting in first place. It's a good place to be. The only other thing I wanted to mention is the Penguins finished the season series six and two against the Washington Capitals. And as much as it makes me smile to say that, the only issue I have with that is it means absolutely nothing unless you can get home ice advantage. If you 
went six and two against the Capitals. That's great. You went six and two against the Islanders. That's great. You went six and two against the New York Rangers, who have turned out to be a very good team lately. That's great. That's all well and good. But unless you can get home ice advantage, you don't need to get the division championship. But unless you get home ice advantage in the playoffs, none of it really makes that much of a difference because you're in the playoffs and that's great. But your record against these teams, you need home ice advantage, especially against the Bruins because we can't play in TD Garden, especially Mm -hmm. against the Islanders because the Islanders have struggled on the road just as much as we have this season. We finally have a winning record on the road, and it seems like it might stay that way if they can take care of business in Philly, but both the Penguins and the Islanders are much better home teams. So home ice advantage will make me look back at those records against the division teams fondly. If we get road advantage, okay, we still got into the playoffs, which is great, but forget about all of that. I don't care if we were one and six, six and one, or six and two against the Capitals. We need to win in the playoffs, and that's something the Penguins have struggled with the past two seasons so we'll see how it all ends up but i want home ice advantage going into the last week that should be the objective for the penguins you're right it totally should be the objective getting home ice advantage is huge especially in the playoffs uh we've seen how we've struggled without it past couple seasons and that could be a huge boost and but on top of that i'm going to add one more god anybody but boston (laughs) yeah that would be It would be a fun series, I feel like, but I feel like it could go one of two ways. The Penguins break out of their shell against the Bruins or the Bruins do exactly what they did in 2013. And that all depends on Tuka Rask at this point because the Bruins team isn't that much better than the Penguins team at this point. But Tuka Rask can be that much better and turn that series into a complete shit show for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have our Penguins Awards. So feel free to leave in the comments if you're watching live who you think the penguins award should go to when we're talking about it and if you're listening back on the podcast we'll put something out on our iceberg podcast twitter and facebook account trying to get your responses and your picks for some of these awards but for right now we'll be right back hockey fights lifestyle and tales from a first round draft bust we have it all and more on the hockey podcast network your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Use code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook to get your start and awesome odds on your beginning of sports betting. Nick Berlowski and Nick Horwat here for our Penguins Season Awards. We did it last season. We had a lot of fun with it. So we're going to do it again this year. Of course, this is going to be something that we're going to do every year that we have the podcast, which hopefully is now until eternity. But let's start off with Rookie of the Year. Last year, we did Rookie of the Year, meaning the first year as a Pittsburgh Penguin. Horwat, who's your Rookie of the Year this year? Oh, that's how we did it, because I picked Joseph uh, P.O. Joseph as an actual rookie. But yeah. you know what? I'm going to stick to the answer, because, yeah. It, it's kind of the one that stands out the most as a Rookie of the Year and as a first-year Penguin, because a lot of times you hear first-year players you know you've you only think of the rookies i mean yeah kapanen's new here but you know i don't think him as a rookie too much but hey uh pio joseph for that incredible run he had at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. plus this team really the, what are the rookie options pio joseph cody cc oh yeah Matheson, because and uh kapanen yeah because those were basically running. all the names 
Freddie Gaudreau. Uh, yeah, first, first, first year guys. Yeah, I get it now. But uh, yeah, yeah, I have those guys listed elsewhere. We will get to. All right, so you, you're going with P.O. Joseph. Yes, from the formerly P.O. Show in the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. I like that pick. Mine went to Kasperi Kapanen just because of the way that he has come in, and he wasn't really welcomed too warmly by Penguins Twitter because of how much we oh, gave yeah. away for him because Penguins Twitter kind of looked at him as, well, can he kind of live up to that? And I feel like he has. He's had some trouble with injuries, and then he had visa issues and missed the first couple games of the season. But when he was here, he's been on. And whichever line he's been on, fourth line, third line, second line, first line, he's played everywhere. And he's been able to succeed everywhere. And we, we talked in the first segment about how important he was to Thursday's win against the Washington Capitals. And whenever Malkin comes back, I know we have – a pens poll about this in the last segment, but there's a reason that every single option had Kasperi Kapanen as a line mate. And then the other wing was the one that we switched through possible options because Kasperi Kapanen and Evgeny Malkin play extremely well together. And Kapanen, of course, missing some time, still putting up 10 goals, 12 assists, playing well, basically the entire season. He's my rookie of the year. I like that choice. Um, if we want to jump to breakout player, that's where I had him. I had Kaepernick yeah. as the breakout player because, well, I called it at the beginning of the season, quite frank. <laughs> I wrote an article about it saying he was the one prime for a breakout season again. Um, first year with a new team, the team that drafted him. Uh, yeah, he's had good seasons in Toronto, but mm -hmm. the 2020-2021 NHL season will always, always, always kind of, the statistics of the year will always kind of be looked at as um, projections like what could they have actually done in a full 82 game season mm -hmm. then you toss in you know the late start for captain then you toss in that late injury and he's only played 36 games up to this point but 26 points in those games yeah i mean just a quick just double that up quickly that's 72 games and 52 points which would be a career high so that's not even the full 82 you keep the average correct. He was on pace for a career year this year. So um, for a breakout player, for sure, because I mean, what was he in, in Toronto? Not a top two line guy. He couldn't play with those guys. So he was on the third line and still did good. I mean, he had the 20 goal, 24 assist season two years ago. Last year, he himself claimed was a down year. Mm -hmm. Still had 36 points in 69 games. It's not bad. And then this year, he kind of blew the doors off the season, and it sucks he couldn't get a full one. That would have been yeah. an incredible stat to see. Well, hopefully next season we have a full NHL season and Kasperi Kapanen can continue this and prove what he is in a full season and make people not even have to look into the extended stats <laughs> or the averages and just look at the hard numbers because that's when people really get noticed in this league is whenever they do it over an 82-game season. My breakout player for the year is Jared McCann, not only because he would have given, if we ended up doing it again this year, he would have given Chris Letang a run for his money and best hair. But what we said at the beginning of the season is Jared McCann needs to find stability in the lineup because we bounced him from center to wing, from third line to second line to first line, everywhere. And this year is no different. We've bounced him around. He's played wing with... Sidney Crosby a couple times. He played wing with Evgeny Malkin a lot. 
He centered his own line. Then Carter got traded to Pittsburgh and he became a wing again. Yet he's been able to thrive through all of that and have probably his most effective season as a Pittsburgh Penguin. In 39 games played, he has 28 points, including 13 goals. He's kind of revitalized the Penguins' power play right now, which is steaming at like a 30% clip without Evgeny Malkin, which is incredible because with Malkin, they were struggling. Not to say that he was the issue, but they figured something out in the meantime. The fact that we even have the conversation of we should leave McCann on the first unit so Malkin can have a whole unit to himself is something that doesn't normally happen in hockey. People don't go for two power play units, yet this is a serious conversation had by a lot of people right now because of how well Jared McCann has assimilated to that top power play. He's on that line with Jeff Carter that right now is one of the reasons that I'm very confident in this team going forward. Like I've always said throughout this season, I need to see them perform in the playoffs for me to say that they're mm -hmm. a contender. But as of right now, I'm confident with them going into the playoffs because of the play of Jared McCann, Jeff Carter, Kasperi Kapanen, but of course, McCann specifically, because he has shown up. You called it a show me year for him. He has showed me, at least, <laughs> that he is a very integral part of this team and is a serious consideration of being protected for the Seattle expansion draft, which we talked about a couple episodes ago. So go listen to that as well. But mm -hmm. I think Jared McCann, definitely a breakout player of the year for me this year. Let's go to unsung hero, Horwat. Who was your unsung hero for this season? Uh, Cody CC. Yeah. Big, the big four, the unsung hero. Because, I mean, okay, so the numbers aren't phenomenal. But yeah. boy, oh boy, is he way, way, way better than anybody expected. Mm -hmm. We said the Carter deal was getting compared to the Marlowe deal. Well, the CC signing was getting compared to the Jack Johnson signing, both of which unfairly. Yeah. Because I said it on and after hours a long time ago. I think it was like the same weekend we signed him. Shane Ryan of the Ottawa podcast asked me directly, how do you go from buying out Jack Johnson to signing Cody CC? And I said, he is better and he's cheaper. He may yeah. not be much better, but he's better. And, and his contract cheaper. is one year. Yes. All of the things looked good. And then he ended up being way better. Mm -hmm. And the contract has looked way better. Yeah, he's the unsung hero. Again, I, the numbers I can pull quickly. I mean, they're not much because he's a defenseman. But, I mean, 13 assists. That's way more than I thought. Four goals and 13 assists for 17 points. And a plus 17 is a career high. He's had a great season for the Penguins. He's had a hell of a season. And there's going to be an interesting conversation to be had after the year of whether or not the Penguins should re-sign Cody Cece. And we will have that conversation when the time for that comes. But right now we're getting ready for a playoffs where Cody Cece is going to be an integral part to the Pittsburgh Penguins blue line. I would not have thought I was going to say that during game one. But here we are after 52 games, and he is a stalwart for the Penguins on the second parent. So... I think some beneficial things happened very early on in the season. He got healthy scratched and so did Mike Matheson. Granted, those were like both two and three. I believe that's how it went games into the season. Yeah. But Mike Sullivan kind of showed his hand and said, I am not effing afraid to just sit you guys. Yeah. Finally. So, yeah. Um. What the hell? Yeah, I saw I saw the comment that came up. I'm not exactly sure what it was. I was going to ignore it, but yeah, I I saw my name, so I had to. Anyway, um, yeah, 
threw me off my game a little bit. But Cody yeah. CC has been far and away above everyone. Um, Solomon showed his hands that I'm not afraid to bench you guys, and it did them good. They've been um, in just about every game since then. I mean, without that scratch, CC would be up for uh, one of the three players, or the two, I should say, that uh, have played every game this year. For the Iron Penguin Award. Exactly. We are not going to award that till next week because we can't possibly award that until next week. And we'll see if we do anyway. But my unsung hero goes to P.O. Joseph. I, I thought I was going to be the only one to give P.O. Joseph an award today, but uh-huh. you-, you proved me wrong giving him rookie your rookie of the year vote. I give P.O. Joseph the Iron, not the Iron Penguin Award, the unsung hero award for a multitude of reasons. For one, I think people forget how injured the Penguins blue line was. And not only did P.O. Joseph come up and make his NHL debut and play his first stint with the Pittsburgh Penguins, he played first line, first pairing, and first pairing minutes as well. He was playing 25, 26 minutes a game. He only played in 16 games for the Pittsburgh Penguins this season. He notched one goal and four assists. He was a plus one. So yeah, when you look at the numbers on paper, they're not blowing you away. But the way that he was able to play defensively, physically, even in the transition game was so good for the Pittsburgh Penguins in a time where they were trying to figure themselves out offensively. And they were trying to find healthy bodies defensively. He was able to lead this team when they were missing so many key players on the back end. And the thing, whenever Sidney Crosby is playing on your team, but and you he played was, during Steeler season. Exactly. He was above and beyond what we expected him to be in his first season. It was a great, dress rehearsal for the rest of his career. I would expect him to be back next season. And that's why I also think the Cody CC conversation is going to get very interesting because how much longer can you keep PO Joseph in the AHL Wilkes Barre Scranton Penguins? So he gets my award this year, bringing home two awards from tip of the iceberg. That's a good start in a rookie season. And let's go to the two big ones then though. Let's start with team Norris for what, who gets your award for team Norris? So I had mentioned that Cody Cece had a plus 17. Mm-hmm. There are only two people that have a higher plus minus on the team right now, by the way. Uh, Chris Letang, and who I am giving the Nor- the Penguin Norris to, and that is Brian Dumoulin. Uh, because he stood out since returning from injury as what we expected all year. Mm-hmm. Okay, He didn't start that great. We know that. We were all kind of questioning, you know, is he still injured from that injury he took like two years ago in St. Louis? Um, what's going on with him? What can we do about this? Uh, then he gets put on the shelf again and comes back and six game point streak, stout defensive play like we expected, and all of a sudden, 13 points in a season. <laughs> um, the offense came out of nowhere, and that's kind of not how I'm that's kind of not the reason why I'm putting him up here, but um, he shocked everyone and everyone who was saying he was still hurt who's still injured and then he took another one and things weren't going to get any better. And then he came back and was way better. Mm-hmm. Um, more or less, I'm giving him the Norse because he shocked the world almost. And yeah, it wasn't a consistent whole season thing. Like mm-hmm. the award is usually given out to, but he's proven his worth. And I think that's more, you know, it means more than anything, proving it later down the stretch. Um, I'd rather have it, have him be good now than at the beginning of the season to be bad now. Yeah. So there you have it. He had a great season and he is yeah. playing some of the best hockey of his career. This is this is the reason that me and you pump his tires so much. And this is the reason 
that you, Horwat, say that he is the best defensive defenseman in Penguins history. And he is right up there. No matter what anyone says, he is right up there as best defensive defenseman in the 50-plus year history of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And he's having a fantastic season. And it is not the conventional pick for a Norris contender, but we're not a conventional podcast all the time. So I, I admire your decision to pick him. I'm going with the guy that I think is actually going to grab serious consideration for the actual Norris trophy. And that's going to be Chris Letang. It seems like it's the easy pick because he is the number one defenseman for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He does log the minutes of a number one Mm. defenseman for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but in just 51 games, which it seems like he missed a couple more, but he only missed one in 51 games this year. He has 41 points. He is lighting the lamp pretty decently with seven goals, but 34 assists. And the way that he has played, most of the season has been very impressive. There are the Chris Letang moments where he makes a stupid play. I mean, look no further than Thursday night's game whenever he left Tom Wilson alone in front, and that happens. And yes, Chris Letang at the beginning of the season was abysmal for the first probably whole month of the season. And that's also part of the reason I think P.O. Joseph is an unsung hero because Chris Letang had to figure his game out. But what Chris Letang has been since then is peak Chris Letang is the reason that Chris Letang has been a member of the core with Crosby and Malkin for the last decade plus. So yes, I give him the Norris also because we finally got to see Chris Letang with a mustache. It was strange, but (laughs) solidarity with your pick, Brian Dumlin. It was nice to see a top D pairing that both rocked really weird, probably mustaches that they would never wear unless they were forced to like Dumlin was, but luckily for them, they've had a great season. And hopefully that continues up to the last week and through the playoffs because this pairing has been extremely impressive. It's been incredibly impressive. It's fun that um, our one and two Norris winners went to the one and two defensemen on the team, the top line. It's the way it should be, shouldn't it? It's the way it you would it would really make sense. And I honestly had consideration for Cody Cece because of how well he's played, but I'm not sure how much of that is him playing at an extremely high level versus how much of that is him playing at a higher level than I expected. Because again, my expectations were here. He is just above the screen, mm-hmm. way up above the screen. Yep. And it's... he's played extremely well. I don't think anybody's going to argue that, but Chris Letang has just at, at moments struggled, but for the most part, just chef's kiss, beautiful, beautiful season he put together. Exactly. And it's not even like CC's um, just, Base numbers look good. It's all analytics, too. All the stuff mm-hmm. I don't understand, but guys like Jesse Marshall and all the analytics guys are saying he's also looked good there, too. So, yes, th- things are good. Things are very good. And things have been pretty good for the team MVP this season. For me, that award goes to Sidney Crosby, once again, leading the team in points for the 16th consecutive season. He's going to have over a point a game, something that only Gordie Howe and Wayne Gretzky have done. So very elite company once again for Sid the Kid. And he has been the stalwart for this team. Again, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, he should be in consideration for the Hart Trophy this year. He is the team MVP to mm-hmm. me. Who is the team MVP to you? Uh, Sidney Crosby, because he should be in contention for the league MVP. He, mm-hmm. all the reasons you said before, you know, over a point per game again. Carry, carrying the team in a season where everyone doubted us, um, proving he's still one of the top two, three, four players in the world right now. It's It all goes without saying. He's looked good. He has really 
pulled Brian Rust to another new level. Mm-hmm. You know, Jake Gensel is Jake Gensel, but still playing with Crosby is incredible. It's yeah. Um, they are better players because of him too. And you know what? Sid may have had a slow start, and again, guess what? He's over, he's back over point per game. So the pillar of consistency in this league. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 the reason why he's the, he's only missed the playoffs one time. Yeah, one that was time. His rookie season. And he he was killer that year. The team just wasn't. Um, one of the few years that a player has gotten 100 points and 100 penalty minutes in the expansion era. Not the expansion era, the salary cap era. I think he's the only rookie to ever do it, too. Yeah. Um. Yeah, There's he's the reason why we look at those 15 years. He's the reason for most of them. Yeah. Most of them. Clearly, there are ones where it's not, but most of those 15 is him. This year's pretty much no different. A lot of it is on him. We're going to take another quick break, but when we return, we're going to finish with our pens poll. Make sure that you go onto our socials at Iceberg Podcast on Twitter, at Tip of the Iceberg Podcast on Facebook, at Iceberg Podcast on Instagram as well. Send us your picks for these Penguin Awards. Like I said, Rookie of the Year, meaning it's their first season in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Unsung hero, breakout player, team Norris, team MVP. Let us know what you think. Get in on the conversation, and we'll feature your picks on our next episode, which is coming out this Thursday, episode 44. But for right now, we're going to take one more quick break. When we come back, our pens pull. What's up, everybody? It's Jaron from the Hockey Podcast Network's newest show, the Windy City Benders Podcast. My co-host Tanner and I bring our unique takes on Blackhawks hockey. Us on the show have been a, a pro Carlton guy. For He's the right coach for the situation. Giving it to our rivals. That's one of the things that kind of sucks. I wish we would have had the Blues in our division this year because our trash. As well as bringing in some guests from the NHL. Please welcome to the show, goaltender Scott Darling. The Eagle himself, Ed Belfo. Brian Bickle. David Boland. Letter Kenny. The, the show started out with... Uh, basically a beer league hockey team and anybody who loves the game find us on all your favorite podcast apps the hockey podcast network website and on social media at wcb podcast welcome back to the tip of the iceberg podcast episode 43 we're in good spirits because the penguins are in first place there's a week left in the regular season it feels like this season has gone by almost too quickly horwath at least that's how i feel how do you feel Maybe a touch quickly, but I mean, mm. it's one of the downsides of only 56 games. In such a short period of time, too. Yeah, and also the fact that time flies, man. It's May. <laughs> it is May. We're recording this on May 2nd. This It'll be on pod, in podcast form on May 3rd. Yeah, time flies. That's all. That's, re- that's probably the main reason for me why this season felt short is that January was four months ago Mm -hmm. that's a long time but it it doesn't feel like it it feels like we're still it kind of feels like we're still kicking off the rust from those first two games it really does it still feels like that opening series against philadelphia was a couple weeks ago let alone it was four months ago and now we're getting ready to finally have our second series in philadelphia so it's been a crazy ride this season it's not over yet by any sense of the word and we'll have to see how it closes out this season. But our Pens poll, let me bring it up really quickly here. Our Pens poll for the week is 
when Evgeny Malkin returns, which is presumably at some point during this week because he wants to play in at least two games is what he said. So he's looking to get in on the last four games of the season if he can start on Monday. But when Evgeny Malkin returns from injury, who should be his line mates? McCann and Kapanen won the poll at 41%. Zucker and Kapanen come in second with 30%. Tanev and Kapanen with 26%. Of course, Brandon Tanev still on the injured list, practicing in no contact jersey as of right now. And then the shot in the dark, Teddy Bluger and Kasperi Kapanen got 3%. I think that's good for about four or five votes, <laughs> this, this one. So... It was a fun little option that was tossed around a couple weeks ago. Nice to see that some people still back it, but the overwhelming majority say Jared McCannick, Kasperi Kapanen should flank Evgeny Malkin when he returns this week, hopefully at some point to the lineup. Horwat, who did you vote for? And what do you think of the results here? So who I voted for does not match what I thought, what I think would happen or should happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I voted for McCann and Kaepernick because that makes the most sense out of these guys, I think. Yeah. Um, but, and I figured you would have put this there, Evan Rodriguez and Kasperi Kaepernick. Mm. Yeah. I wrote about this in my last story at the Hockey Writers. Um, Rodriguez's speed opens up, like, yeah, Malkin's not the fastest anymore, but he still has his own sneaky speed. We've seen how fast Kaepernick is. And Rodriguez can open up way more lanes with the kind of speed he brings to the table. Yeah, McCann is quick too, mm-hmm. but at this point, McCann, Zucker, and uh, Carter have brought such a new life, such a weird... Um, yeah, it's weird. It's a weird bond they've picked up that they look like third line. They look like a third line. They're good. They're getting goals, but you know they're not the quickest. Jeff Carter's not that fast. Um, Zucker's kind of in a weird funk this year, so he's trying to figure it all out. And the third line's a good spot for McCann, I think, when you consider the amount of chemistry that Malkin and Kaepernick have and the speed that Rodriguez brings. So that's the way I'm fleshing out the middle of my lineup, forward lineup for us, um, is Malkin, Rodriguez, Kaepernick, because obviously Kaepernick and Malkin aren't leaving their side. Mm. And that second line we have now, I get Kaepernick is there, but, you know, Zucker's on the third. That's where he's going to stay because you don't want to put him on the fours and you don't seem to want to bring him up anywhere uh, with Carter and McCann who have something. So that's power on all four lines. Yeah, that's definitely a lineup that is going to be dangerous heading into the postseason. I personally voted for Zucker Kapanen mainly because it feels like Jason Zucker is still trying too hard and he still needs to slow the game down a little bit. And although Kasperi Kapanen is not a player you want to put with him to slow his game down, mm-hmm. Evgeny Malkin kind of is. Because Evgeny Malkin allows you to not have to lug the puck as much. Whereas when he's on that third line with Carter and McCann, they kind of share the puck carrying ability there because they work so well as a tandem and not even a tandem as a trio. It's almost yeah. like the one line from Miracle on Ice. I can't think of the nickname right now, but it's a lead it's a line that is playing really well together as a, a unit and i'm not sure i want to break that up but putting him with evgeny malkin still allows you to keep jared mccann with jeff carter and i feel like if you put evan rodriguez there whenever he's healthy we of course don't know the outcome mm-hmm. of the shot he took off his foot but if you put McC- mccann with carter and rodriguez i still think you're going to garner results i think the biggest part of that line is keeping mccann 
and Jeff Carter together because those two specifically have formed a really tight bond. And as far as Tanev's concerned, it would be fun to see Brandon Tanev on Evgeny Malkin's wing just because I feel like it would cause mass chaos amongst the masses. But I still think the best place for Brandon Tanev is alongside Teddy Bluger and Zach Aston Reese. I think that line together is your shutdown Mm -hmm. line that you need to win a Stanley Cup. And also the offense that they've provided, we've talked about it pretty much ad nauseum as how much more offense those guys have provided this year than they have in years past. So definitely I, I voted Zucker Kapanen. I can see McCann Kapanen as well, because as I mentioned earlier, McCann has had such a great season for the Pittsburgh Penguins and putting him with Malkin is only going to garner positive results. But the reason I do what I do is just, that's the way I think the lineup fills out best following that move. And, and you're doing the same exact thing with your decision. So I agree. I think no matter what, it's a good problem to have for Mike Sullivan. He has a lot of good players that all play fairly well together. And I think that's something that the Penguins should take advantage of and should be happy to take advantage of for the rest of the season. And hopefully a very, very long and lengthy playoff run into July. Yeah. And the, the McCann thing with Rodriguez hurt, which I forgot to mention, um, if Rodriguez is hurt, then I am sliding McCann into that spot. I'm not um, pushing Zucker in there. So I guess that makes my vote all the more accurate because yeah, um, that would have been my backup choice. So, yeah, and plus not only that, that fourth line, they're your shutdown line. This is the last time we really do this, though. Gonna yeah. be honest. We got to split them up at some point because they can all play other places. They are all, right? I believe all three of them are on career-high paces again got to take this weird season into account they're all on career high paces for scoring yeah three defensive guys at once like they're that is for all of a sudden for scoring you know quotations scoring lines yeah uh, if you're able to roll four lines into the playoffs i mean that's a hell of a team what what made the 17 and 16 teams so good they were able to do stuff like that they were able to get their third and fourth line scoring why haven't the team since then not been great? Because they can't get all four lines scoring. Yeah. And now we have at least three that can do it with, you know, Crosby, Malkin, and Carter down the center on their lines. Now if Bluger, Tanev, and Aston Reese are able to pick up the slack a little bit yeah. uh, scoring-wise, there you're rolling all four of your forward lines that you know are able to contribute more than just defense. It's an incredible problem to have. And even if Evan Rodriguez is out for the beginning of the playoffs, but Brandon Tanev comes back, maybe you do put Tanev up on that second line and you have Freddie Gaudreau play on that fourth line with those guys because Freddie Gaudreau is a player that it's going to be tough to take him out of the lineup. But when all healthy, it's hard to. So it's hard to keep him in. So he's definitely, I think, the Penguins' 13th forward if all things are considered with one guy injured, whether that's Tanev or Rodriguez, who's still injured going into the playoffs. Freddie Gaudreau is that next guy in over Sam Lafferty over Colton Sevier. Doesn't matter what wing it is. Those two guys are behind him in my depth chart at this point. For sure. They have to be, um, he might not be, but you know, I mean, Sevier apparently has played a lot better. He has, but at the same time, Gaudreau has produced stuff and it's very interesting watching him play. Yeah. I think he is definitely the next man in and I feel like you could even cycle him with if you really wanted to for these last four games, not in the playoffs. Cycle yeah. him in and out of the lineup on the fourth line, trying out that wing position with maybe you cycle him and give Zach Aston Reese some games off. I don't know. I mean, 
at this point I'm galaxy braining stuff. I'm tired. Yeah. We've been talking a lot and you sp- no, you didn't spring this live episode on me, but uh, you <laughs> yeah, you, you joined the stream and I looked at you and I said, you know what? We're just going to do this live. And you said, okay. I said, All right. I've, I'm prepared. <laughs> well, it's been a good show. We thank everybody that is tuned in on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We thank everybody that is listening back on the podcast version. As I said at the beginning of the show, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to our, us on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review. If you're so inclined to as well, we appreciate all of the help that you can give us. And honestly, reading the view, the reviews make my day, make my week every time it happens. So leave a review. Let us know what you think of the podcast. And the Penguins have one more week left of the 2021 regular season. Then it's playoff time. Then it's time to get your rally towels out. Then it's time to try to hope to get a nice Stanley Cup hat. And it's time to get ready for the greatest tournament in all of sports, <laughs> the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Horwat, any last words before we say goodbye for the day? Uh, I have one episode left in this house. You have one episode? Oh, that's huge. We can't wait to see what you get the new setup to look like. I hope I'm able to uh, record with you. This is These are things we can talk about after we're done here. I'm hoping yeah. I'm able to record with you this weekend. I have to get Wi-Fi situated. But yes, this will be... The next episode will be my last one in this house. The background might not be here. I'm trying to pack it up. You can already tell the hats are gone. Yeah, you'll figure it out. I mean, finally, yeah. it took me until last week. I've lived here for six months. It <laughs> took me until last week to finally get this setup that I have behind, <laughs> behind me. So Hell in yeah. due time, Horwat, it will work out all on its own. And with the offseason coming up, we'll only have one episode a week. So you have time to figure some things out. Yeah, that means more hours to really work. Cool. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Like I said, thank you to everybody who tuned in. The Penguins in this last week, I'd love to see 4-0. I do not foresee 4-0 because that would be pretty difficult to finish the season on a six-game win streak. It would look great. I think they go 3-1, though. I think they, they drop one, but I think they win the next three. Is it but to Philly? It is probably one of those games to Philly All right. is what I'm thinking. But that's going to be it. We'll see you guys on Thursday. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from. So please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.